So we've been doing our Old Testament series for over a year now, and from time to time I've been taking a break and reflecting on it from the New Testament and how it is different in the New. And this week we will look at how the sacrifices in the Old Testament were replaced not only with Jesus, but with a new, with each of us being what Paul calls living sacrifices. Uh, later on in Romans, Paul tells us that God's plan for the church is that every single person has something to offer. But, and it's not just a few special people as it was in the Old Testament, but here in Romans 12, Paul says that before he starts talking about gifts, before he starts talking about us doing things, he needs to talk about our commitment. That has to be the first thing. So my goal then is to open our eyes with excitement to one of the key verses of Scripture and to be motivated to commit to its message. And we're going to go over the Scripture three times. The first time we're going to see what it means and how it fits together. The second time through we're going to step back and see the big picture. And the third time through we're going to ask what it means in practice. So let's go through the first time. Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, in a minute, I'm going to do a, give you a better translation than this. So I'm giving you a standard, I think this is the ESV, a standard translation. And do not let yourself be conformed to this world, but let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. So it begins then, therefore, by the mercies. And when Paul says, therefore, in one of his letters, he's referring to, to everything he said so far, and he's saying, we've got to this point now, and on the basis of everything I've said, this is where we're going to go. And uh, uh, people, some people have joked, when you see a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. And it's there to, to direct us back. And what's he said so far? Well, really, he's covered the gospel, God's mercies. And so... Um, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So that's summarizing everything. Uh, this uh, state that we were in, a self-centered way of living, unable to please God, heading for destruction, and God looked down on us, had compassion, and at tremendous cost to himself, gave us Jesus. But not only did he forgive us, but took us into his family and has an amazing destiny for us. So that's all summed up in that, the mercies of God. So, now I'm going to give you my improved translation here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters. So why am I saying that? Well, in the Greek it says brothers, 
but the Greeks would use the expression brothers to mean brothers and sisters. They didn't have brothers and sisters in expression. So if it's mixed, you would say brothers and everybody would understood you didn't just mean the males. But in English, we have the expression brothers and sisters. So actually a better translation would be to match the meaning here of the Greek. By the mercies of God, I'm going to leave that the same. To present your whole beings. So he says bodies, but the word really doesn't, isn't limited. Um, I've blessed by knowing Greek and so I can look at how the word is used. And it's used for the whole being, this word he uses. Not trying to drive a wedge between our minds and our bodies here. And then, uh, the King James and the Net Bible say rational service, reasonable service, but I'm going to say, um, actually, no, let me just go back. Uh, so, um, Jesus was a die, okay. Jesus was a dying sacrifice and we are a living sacrifice. This is quite interesting, this expression. Present your whole bodies a living sacrifice. So this is a complete opposite. So, uh, for, for Jesus, it was agony and for us, it is joy. And so this is interesting how he's turning this upside down. Um, and uh, so it, it then goes on. So he also says, um, 100% dedicated and bringing joy to God is how I would translate that next bit. 100% dedicated. So it's not just... Um, uh, d- um, it's not just um, be plosi- uh, cl- holy and pleasing to God. Holy, as you've heard in previous sermons I said, I've, I've given, holy has got the idea of being dedicated completely and bringing joy to God. And then, which is your service that makes complete sense. So it says in the trans- some of the translations, your reasonable service or your rational service. But actually, it's really something, yes, this does make sense that I should be doing this. This is just all fits together in my mind. Um, is it interesting also the word service there is exactly the same word as used by the priests in the temple when they were serving God in the temple. And so the idea is we're not just the sacrifice, we're actually the ones giving the sacrifice to God. We are doing all of this together, offering it up, and it all makes complete sense. And then uh, he goes on, do not let yourself be pressed into the shape of the world, but let yourself be continuously morphed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so what does this look like then? Um, this idea of being pressed into the shape of the world. So a number of years ago, I had um, a very old van and towards the end, I was getting back pain, which to start what I thought was back pain from, you know, the mattress and my bed needing to be replaced. But it turned out it was the seat had fallen apart internally in, in a van and the shape of the seat, my back was being conformed to the shape of the seat rather than the other way around. And uh, when Luke um, drove my van and complained of exactly the same problem, how he was in agony for a day, I realized, yeah, it's, it's actually this. And I put a, 
a replacement seat, a seat uh, support system in there which got rid of the problem. But um, that's an example of a one thing being for, conformed to the shape of another. And um, so what it's, the idea here is we've, we've got this dysfunctional world and we're being pressed into the shape of this world and that's not how things should be. Just using a, another car metaphor, uh, you know how they make the, the shape of the sides of the cars and, and the, the different parts of metal in a car, the body of a car. Do you know how it's made? Uh, it's not actually made by elves. I'll give you a clue. It's actually uh, it's actually the sheets of metal in a huge factory machine. I've seen them on these. They're awesome. And a stamp comes down, kajung, and stamps the shape, bends the whole thing into the shape it should be to make that part of the car. And this tremendous pressure forces it into shape. And uh, this is the idea that that the world is forcing us into a particular shape. Um, uh, but it says, instead of that, be continuously morphed. And the word here is um, uh, transformed, actually, is metamorphosis. Metamorphosis in the Greek, which we use in morphing. So that's why translated as that. And you can think of, of, of Superman or the Transformers or a caterpillar to a butterfly or something like that. Except um, this is a slow motion change. It's not like an instant thing, but it's a gradual process across our lives. But And in God's grace, he does it. We don't have to morph ourselves, but he does this as we work with him. He does this to us. So what stops this and what makes it happen? So the shape of the world pressing us um, is something that... Um, is stopping us happening. And I ought to say that um, it's, uh, it's right now it's not our bodies, just to be clear. <laughs> you probably noticed that, that God isn't yet morphing you into the shape of, of uh, Jesus with your bodies, but that will happen one day. The morphing will be completed. So the goal then is being shaped into this beautiful will of God that you might recognize and be 100% in agreement with the will of God. We become in tune with God's will. And so it's not as much about having a revelation of his will, uh, which is which is important, but the most important thing is being in tune with it. And both you and God agree that it is good and it brings pleasure and it's flawless. So as we agree with God, as we both agree about the same thing, about what God wants to do, then it helps this process of moving through. So that's an overview. That's uh, just a broad picture of what this, uh, what this passage is saying. And now I'd like to step back and see the big picture. Um, sorry, I missed the last verse. What is, is good and well-pleasing and flawless? Good and well pleasing and flawless. I love that as a description to be, to be that. Isn't that, wouldn't you like to be described by God as good, well pleasing and flawless? Uh, that just sounds wonderful to me. So, um, uh, let's, let's then look at, um, uh, the big picture here. Okay. And we're going to now see what I've got in, in this bag up here that you've probably been wondering why I've got this big bag. Well, we're going to see what's inside it. So, uh, 
the old covenant was defined by the law, the law of God. And the new covenant is what's replaced the law. Can you tell me? What has replaced the law? Yes, and it's Jesus and faith in him. Now, one of the things that decides, that defines whether or not you are part of, whether you're, you're um, part of the Old Testament people of God were boundary markers. Now, let me ask you, what were the boundary markers that defined who was in the people of God? Supposing you have somebody, an Old Testament, Old Testament Israelite is here. How can we tell that this person, as we observe their life, is part of the people of God? Okay, so food would be, it wouldn't just be, it wouldn't just be pork, it would be other things as well. So, um, there were various food laws. So I've got, I don't have pork in here, but I have something else. I can find it. Oh, here we go. Okay, so here's some food. So the food laws would be one of the boundary markers, and you're, you're not going to see this, but I'm going to put these down like a boundary around around to mark out. What else would be different? Obviously the circumcision, but I'm not going to try and illustrate that. Yeah? They didn't, yes, so they didn't work on Saturday. They kept the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was actually a rest. So I brought a pillow here for our Sabbath rest. So that's, um, that's uh, the rest. What else would be, would mark them out? You'd see them as being different. Festivals, they'd celebrate festivals. Yeah, I don't have anything specific for that, but at least I've got something a little more general. Some of the festivals will take place at the temple. So I have, um, well, okay, it's Duplo. It doesn't really look much like a temple, but it does have, inside it, it has a little high priest. Let's see if we can get him out. Here we go. There's, there's Aaron. So, um, so there we go. We have the whole temple system. And what else do we have that happened at the temple? Sacrifices. And here we have our sacrificial lamb. So, so, there we go. <laughs> so these are like the boundary markers that marked out whether you were one of God's people or not. And uh, there are other ones as well um, that were marked out there. Now, what marks out the new people of God? What marks out the people of God in the new covenant? We love one another. That's, that is excellent. As is an excellent marker, yes. What else is there? Yeah, so it's actually very, very simple. It's actually faith in Jesus. And faith in Jesus, when you have faith in Jesus, when you're joined to him by faith, his imprint is on you, which will show in love. So it's it's very, very, very simple. Um, now, uh, have you, have you, like, the trouble is that we don't like that because you can't see it. Like, if I look at somebody and I can't see, oh, that person's obviously one of one of us. So what's happened in Christian circles, sadly, through the centuries, different groups have had their own boundary markers. So what might be a boundary marker that a group might put up to see whether you're one of them? Well, once I went into a church, this is many years ago, and I was carrying my Bible, and the man said, uh, what translation of the Bible is that? 
And at that time, this was a long time ago, I used the King James. I said, it's the King James. Okay, good, he said. And I realized that that was the boundary marker. That's how you knew whether somebody was one of you or, or not one of you. So any, what else might there be? How you dress. So are there any church groups that define how you dress? Well, like whether women wear a hat or, you know, um, some very, very strict about clothing. Their standards of modesty are ex- quite extreme. Um, sorry? No sandals allowed. Okay, that's right. Must wear a tie and that kind of, if you're a man, that kind of thing. So very, some very, very strict rules in some of them. And um, so, so people can have these kind of boundary markers that they, that they lay out. Um, and um, what Paul does, it's interesting, in, in the book of Romans, Romans, the first uh, eight chapters are basically laying out the gospel. And then nine, um, nine through twelve, he says, "Well, what about Israel? What you know? What's God's future for Israel?" And he talks about you know God's God's promises for Israel and how they will be saved. Through, uh, Jews can be saved through the blood of Christ in the same way as Gentiles, and God's God's future for for ethnic Israel. And then in thirteen, uh, sorry, twelve through to the end. He actually says, okay, well, if we now are new people of God, what is the law? Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to, and this is, this verse is the introduction to that section. So he's now saying, like, how are we going to replace the sacrificial system? How are we going to replace all of these systems? And it's, it's amazing because once you get onto that, you can see how everything fits in. So for example, um, Romans 13, 7 through 9, uh, he's actually reflecting on the Ten Commandments. So when it says, uh, honor your parents, he says, actually, it's, you respect all those in authority. And then he says, don't, st- not only don't steal, but owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any other commandment as summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then what's really interesting is he goes on to look at, at the food laws about, you know, what you're allowed to eat and what you're not. And he says, you know, there are some people that feel really uncomfortable eating food that's been offered to idols, even though idols are nothing and actually it's just food, you can eat it. But they feel really uncomfortable. And so out of love for them, don't do anything that would, would actually cause them to stumble. So once again, he's replacing legalism uh, of the food laws with something that's controlled by love. And so it's really interesting to see how he's doing this and how this passage that we're doing is right at the apex of this connection. So um, just to summarize that then, um, what we have is uh, the old people of God, the new people of God, and a new rule of life. So the old rule of life was do this and live, and which is the whole sacrificial system. And the new rule of life is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So if we try and say, how does this fit in with the whole Bible? Paul is very consciously moving from old to new and saying, we've got all this stuff in the old. 
which we don't just throw away, but we revision as it comes into the new. We, we see it takes on a new aspect. And what he's saying is the old system in Leviticus was you had to do this or you, you would die because that was how you got forgiveness of sin. And that whole system is now replaced with this living sacrifice idea that he has in these verses. So having looked at the passage and in some detail as we've been through it and having looked at how it fits in with the big picture, I want to come to the most important question now, which is our final part of this message. What does this mean in practice? This is the theology. What does it actually mean for us today? Um, So the first thing to say is, of course, Jesus defines what this looks like. Um, You look at the life of Jesus and he was a living sacrifice. You know, whenever he he needed to do something, he didn't say, oh, you know, I'm just not feeling like doing that today. I'm going to have a day of sleep for a day. No, he, he said, my food and my drink was to do the will of God. He so loved to do the Father's will. It was his joy to do the will of the Father. And to see Jesus sacrifice when he was alive is the example. But I'm going to make you do some work now. Are you up to doing some work? Well, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to say, first question is, what does it mean in practice to be a living sacrifice? Can you tell me what did it actually mean? Okay, someone's changed your priorities. Okay, that's good. Yep, yep. What, what else? What? So that might mean like little choices like getting up earlier on a Sunday morning so you can help set up church, which you've done a great job of doing that. Um, it might mean um, um, giving some things up that are not healthy. Um, it might be little things, it might be big things, but one of the things is most costly to us is our time, and giving our time up might be something. Okay, um, so let me, we could... We could spend a lot of time on that, and I'm not going to do that right now because I want to look at other things. What does this world mean? That we're being uh, not being conformed by this world. It's not pressing in on us. What does that mean? Priorities, ways of thinking. Yes, I think that's those are really two really kind of headings there. Okay, I get what the world's against God's word. Yep. So what, what could it be? What, where in our life do we, do we experience that pressure? I think pressure from other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I heard of, um, of a, a man just recently who's, um, was a very, he's, um, let me try, he was in finance and he was in private practice and, um, he was offered a job at one of Canada's major institutes and institutions and he took this job leading their finances and on the first day the um the uh the the ceo of the company said tim at uh, this company we the company comes first the values that come for this company come first and he said uh I'm sorry, I'm a Christian and God comes first, my family comes second and work comes third. Well, he didn't last very long in that company, he was soon back in private practice. <clears throat> but, you know, there's that kind of pressure that we're all facing <clears throat> in, all, you know, whatever situation we're in. Um, 
I think that um, one of the goals of advertising is to conform you to a particular shape, isn't it? That's what it's for, obviously, the shape of a purchaser. And to do that, often (coughs) advertising is what's called lifestyle advertising. When you show you a picture of somebody by a lake and, you know, there's a canoe and so on, and they're drinking a beer, and, you know, here, this is the kind of beer that this lifestyle is associated with. And and, um, that's the kind of, that's all they do. They don't say, buy this beer, they just show you you this connection and um so um the that sort of lifestyle advertising is is designed to show you a way of life and the implicit thing is this will make you happy if you're living this um so actually i've really asked this what the pressures that conform us um so how do we go about getting transformed can you tell me what can we do to get transformed time for the word of god excellent what else Prayer? Yeah? Okay. It's partly about reading understanding, but more about putting it into practice. Yeah, I like that. Yes. Yes. What else is there? Well, being among, amongst other believers. Um, so if being in the world conforms you to that way, it's a very, it's very helpful to be with people who are going to, to, to reinforce the standards of Christ. And that's, unfortunately, that's not the case with all believers, but like people who have got a passion for the Lord. Actually, um, Daryl Dash, who's, um, who's preached here many times, has brought a book, uh, brought out a new book, and it's called something like Eight Habits for Growth. And he is going to be coming here in two weeks time, and he's going to be preaching about Eight Habits for Growth, about spiritual growth. So I'm not going to elaborate any more on that because I'm sure he'll do a great job when he comes here. Um, so what are we morphed into? So I think, I mean, it's pretty obvious we morphed, yeah? Children of God, yes, that's right. And we morphed into children of God. And what does that look like? More like Jesus, that's right. Um, so, and then we have, uh, how does recognizing God's will actually happen? So it says we've got to recognize that this is the will of God. How does that actually happen? If that's key. Let's, um, let's look at that verse, shall we? Um, <clears throat> so let yourself be continuously morphed by the renewing of your mind that you might recognize and be 100% in agreement with the will of God. How does that happen, that last bit? Recognizing and being in agreement with the will of God. All these things that shape us help us to understand it. All of these things together, but also it's the work of the Spirit. So as we take it in, the Spirit actually produces life in us and conforms us to it. Also, this is a good time to plug home group because, you know, gathering together with others um, is, is, is really good for, for doing this morphing process. It's part of what we've been designed to do. And uh, also you'll notice you may recognize and be 100% in agreement. And if we are, we'll be excited about it. And if we're excited about being like uh, being like Jesus, then there's far more chance we're going to follow him than if we think, oh, no, I guess I should do the Jesus thing today. 
So, you know, it's like, it's so really, if you, this whole, this verse is, a, it's a beautiful package because like when we're really in agreement, yeah, this is, yeah, just this is so amazing. What God wants me to do is just so amazing. Then that is more likely to translate into actually doing it. Before we go, uh, I wanted to just show you there's a couple of other places, there's several other places we see this idea in um, in the New Testament. So Colossians, do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So this is, he's using taking off and putting off on clothes as an image, but he's using the word renewed here it's the same word it's being morphed like we're being we're being changed into the image of the creator so exactly the same idea there in colossians 3 9 and 10 and then 2 corinthians 4 16 so we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting our way our inner self is being renewed day by day so again same idea of being made into something new, converted into something new. So uh, this then, this, as I said, this is really about a level of commitment as you as a person are willing to make to being a Christian. The level of commitment you're willing to make. And Paul has this in here, right in the, in the apex, the middle of Romans, because everything else depends, like, Living a life of love depends on our commitment. Having the spiritual gift and serving one another is no good if we're just committed to ourselves. But all of these things flow out of this level of commitment to change. And so what I'd like to do, I'm going to close now. And we're going to close here in a, in a, a responsive way because this passage here is about responding to God's mercies. It's about responding. And I'd like to, to take us through three prayers here together. And the first, uh, the first word, uh, the first one is to make a commitment, um, to, uh, that, that, uh, we want this God to be doing this in general. The second commitment is that this week we want to be morphed, to be changed more into Christ's image. And the third one is to change our perception of his will to be, uh, this change to be 100% beautiful, good, and lovely. So um, let's do that then. And what I'd like you to do as I'm going to, I'm just going to pray these things and I want you to just pray with me, close your eyes and pray with me. And we're going to pray through what God has said in these verses now. And I'm going to read a part bit and then we're going to pray. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your whole beings a living sacrifice. 100% dedicated and bringing joy to God, which is your service that makes complete sense. Father, we give ourselves to you. We present our whole beings to you now. And Father, as a sacrifice. And Lord, we, we are just so overwhelmed by what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Giving yourself us. We want to gladly, joyfully, 
bring ourselves to you and lay ourselves down before you as a sacrifice. We commit to doing this. We commit to this. And just say to yourself, I commit to this. And now we're going to commit to change, morphing. And do not let yourself be pressed into the shape of this world, but let yourself be continuously morphed by the renewing of your mind. Father, we commit that this coming week, we will resist the shaping of the world and we will open ourselves up to you shaping us. We commit, God, to reading your word. We commit to talking with other believers. We commit to walking this out in practice in our lives during this coming week to make ourselves more like you, like your son, in practice, in the shape of our lives. We commit to that right now. Just say, I commit. And the last thing is for God to change our perception, because if we're thinking of this as being a, like a painful thing, an unpleasant thing, we're not going to do it. So the last thing is this 100% agreement. <clears throat> that you may recognize and be 100% in agreement with the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and flawless. God, please change my perception. If there's anything in me that sees this as being unpleasant or not as good, change it, Lord, that I'll be so excited at the prospect of being more like Jesus, that it is the, I'll be so captivated by the beauty of what it's like to be like him, that I'll run to you and ask you to change me. Lord, I commit to asking for you to change my perception right now in Jesus' name. Just ask him to change your perceptions. And what we've just walked through, those steps we walked through, is really the same steps as becoming a Christian. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, walk through those steps and say, you know, I want to receive your mercies from verse 1, the, the mercies of God, and I commit to giving you myself as a sacrifice in return. Not that I'm buying the mercies, but I'm doing it out of joy because I know of the joy it will bring to you. So may the Lord bless you as you walk through this the coming week. May you experience this in your life day by day in this coming week as you seek to walk these verses out in practice. Nothing could be more important in your life than walking these out in practice. Amen.